Thanks to everyone who supported the show this week via Patreon, including Mick Cowans, Ian Mercer, Alistair Harding, Ian Wilkinson, Matt Lacey, Illico Elia, Roland Roberts, and Jamie Holland. If you'd like to support the show, you can do so from $1 per episode. Go to 361podcast.com forward slash support. You recording? Yes, Blanford. Yep. Hi, Mark. Hi, Mark. She's saying nice things to, you know. Yeah. He's just sat down to get things ready. He's got his cup of coffee. He's ready to go. He's like, okay, let's hear from the boys, you know, buttery smooth. I think coffee might be a bit optimistic. I suspect he's probably got something a lot stronger. <laughs> but I think it's nice to say hi at the start. While he's still sober, yes. <laughs> well, what you mean before he starts crying? Yes. I, I don't know. I mean, Mark's never actually said this to me, but I just assume that he sits with a bottle of something very strong and drinks his way through the <laughs> hour and a half of nonsense. So by the time he's got to the post-roll stuff, it's just... Delete, 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 chop. Blindly <laughs> mashing the keyboard. Well, to be fair, he is right next to the sellers. Hello and welcome to 361, a podcast about mobile tech and the world around it. My name is Ben Smith. I'm Ewan McLeod. And I'm Rafe Blanford. This is season 20, episode four, and this week we're talking about home automation, Hue's new Switch product, Alexa's new show product, and the Samsung Frame TV. Is it any good for home automation? Welcome back, chaps. How are you doing? Very well, thank you, Ben. How are you? I'm good, thank you for asking, Rafe Banford. You're looking very chipper this evening. I'm feeling chipper. I mean, I'm having a podcast recording with two very lovely gentlemen. When's that then? Oh, yeah, (laughs) you're right. It's later on. Oh, sorry, that's later. Got confused. (laughs) Boom. You and McLeod is coming to us, it would appear, direct from Rafe Blanford's living room because you've uh, turned on the background. I've still got the background. I've been using it all week. Just people have been wondering where I am. Yes. Mm. Yes. Hello. How's it going? Muscat is rocking. Hello from Muscat Oman, centre of the Sultanate. Yes. Hello from Muscat Oman. Rafe Blanford, do you have any news before we kick on with the episode? Um, no, <laughs> not really. Me. It's a lot like last week, still in London, still <laughs> sort of working from home. You've been out. But yeah. we have got some exciting content this week, and oh, there yes. have been some exciting deliveries at Shay Rafe. Oh, yeah. As opposed to every other week when the content is just meh. You know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've got my appointment booked for my first vaccine jab, so... Uh, okay, great. Being incredibly young, I've had to wait a long time. I didn't realise they'd reached the 30-year-olds. Exactly. Bless you, right? Do we need to talk about branding? You know, is this, this is most people, as I understand it, because I haven't done that here, but they, they tend to talk about brands. Which one? Which one and why? It's interesting. I don't know. In the UK, you don't get to choose. Right. Uh, obviously, you, you go along to an NHS-provided... Take what you're given. You take what yeah. you're given. Now, I understand that they are prioritising different brands for different age groups. You're getting the Bulgari one or the... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get the Pound Shopper discount one, to be honest. <laughs> I think that because there was some talk that the AstraZeneca one performed slightly worse for younger people, but <laughs> I regret to inform you I'm not in that cohort that yes, needs yes, to worry about that. would be fun risk. to pretend. Remember those days. Yeah. Yeah. I think I will yeah. be getting Moderna. But we'll see, because I haven't been able to book in yet. Yep, you're a way off yet. So I'm booked in for next week. I know I seem to be in a really busy area, because I had to book for some weeks ahead. And I know there's some people in my age group that are already managing to get the jabs. But uh, I suspect I shall probably be getting an AstraZeneca one, which is what the uh, the NHS is doling out in this country. But uh, 
I don't know. It just even having the booking makes me feel like perhaps life might return to. I don't know if I want it to go back to normal, but I'd quite like to go and see people. I want to bring Rafe Blanford out for a steak and a, mm. let him watch me drink a large glass of red an wine. Orange yeah, juice. While he has an orange juice. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah, I'm feeling upbeat and uh, the spring is here in, uh, in, in sunny England. So, uh, you know, obviously the rain eases off briefly to look at the flowers. It's nice. <laughs> Can I just ask, have you bought anything? You know, because I know Rafe has, but have you bought anything? I have. Yeah, of course. I mean, as we always profess on this show, happiness can only really be obtained through vaccinations or pushes of consumer electronics. So I'm going to do both at the same time. Yeah, so let's talk about that then. Let's, before we, okay, we crack on. on the show properly, I bought some air tags, and um, I've been reasonably impressed with them. I got a pack of four, which I'm using to replace our tile devices. Right. I think we have about six tiles on various sets of keys. I had one of the flat ones in my wallet and the child has one on his backpack that he brings places and then leaves in those places so we can we can find it and i bought four air tags to replace the ones in our keys as a bit of a trial right our tile premium subscription is just about up for renewal annual renewal now anyway so i'm gonna stop that for a while to try out the air tags instead for a while says the apple fan i'm gonna stop it for a while ever at the moment actually i think i'm gonna use both but we'll come back to that in a second Rafe Blanford, did you buy any AirTags? I bought the AirTags as well. Been impressed. So far, I haven't been out and doing the tracking, but actually even finding things that you've left in the house. And I bought a couple, put in a backpack, pair of keys. And the last time we talked about that direction and distance, and it just worked well. It is a step up and it's all very seamless, as you'd expect from Apple. And it's interesting to see the topics that we talked about in terms of the kind of the network effect and effectively having, you know, a billion devices out there that allows you to have a big mesh to go and find things has been much in the news, all the stuff around privacy and security. So it's going to be interesting to see how this comes out. But the other thing that was evident is Apple has had this for a while. Some of the dates on the yes. air tag boxes go back to like 2020 or 2019. Yeah. So Apple is quite deliberate about when it's chosen to announce this and presumably a certain number of conditions have been met, which I do find kind of just interesting. And you had this also with the AirPods Pro that they've been designed a while back. So you wonder just how many things that Apple have in the tank, so to speak, that they will let out at various times. I mean, I don't think it's a secret for anyone listening to this that phones and things like that are planned many years in advance, you know, three or four years minimum on kind of a detailed product roadmap and five or six and even longer on some parts. We've seen that with Apple Silicon that we talked about last season. But this was one of the more obvious, simple bits of consumer electronics that they probably could have released earlier, but chose not to. I wonder how many other things fall into that category, whether they're actual products or features or bits and pieces like that. Be uh, interesting to get a look inside that box. Oh, if you look at the... Okay, fine. I'm with you. I'm with you. Can I ask you a question, though, gentlemen? Mm-hmm. When you set out to make your purchase, you were either going to spend £29 per AirTag or 99 for four, right? And I gather that Rafe has bought two, I think. Is that mm-hmm. what you said? Okay. And Ben, you've bought four. Yes. Did you knowingly, were you aware you were going to spend at least double that? Okay. Yes. Because I presume you didn't just buy the AirTag itself. You then went and bought the idiot piece of plastic that also costs, in fact, costs more than the AirTag. Yes and no. Uh, so the very basic Belkin plastic yes. holders cost 11 yeah. quid. <laughs> right, yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, that, that is not good value for money. That's a yeah. day one purchase. They'll be on yes. they'll be on Amazon for three quid. And mm. to be honest, they're very simplistic. But so I got a couple of those. But then for our keys, I did get <laughs> yes, go on my other half a nice red leather one to replace the existing fob that she had. More expensive than right? What was that? Thirty five quid. Yeah, and I got a, a silicon one that was that about that price. No, the, the accessories aren't good value for money. But actually, it's just annoying, isn't it? I've got, I, I did have them here. I've certainly got a photo. They're very Apple products, though. So if you stop thinking of them as alternatives to title, they look nicer. They look like a high end, like a premium key fob or something like that. If you put them next to my tiles, my tile looks like a low cost electronics device. Yes, it looks like yes. a button. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like, you know, actually, I would prefer if there was an option. To, I mean, they'll probably be third party products, but I would prefer some of the Chipolo trackers or some of those other products that are certified by Apple because I don't always want to spend that kind of money. But for the AirTags, the premium sort of flagship product, it was okay for them to look nice. And actually, you know, I bought Gillian a you know, leather key ring with the AirTag on and we took off the key fob and it looks quite smart, you know, and also it helps you, you know, helps you find it in the drawer with all the other keys and those kinds of things. So no, not great, not great value for money, but classic Apple thing, which is if you're going to do it, do it properly. And then you know, all the people who want to do it more affordably, wait a little while and you'll buy all the third-party products because there's no integration at all. This is really good business though. Isn't it fantastic business? £29 for the device and then the Apple one, right, which a lot of people, exactly as you're saying, will want to buy that. And that the markup on that piece of plastic must be crazy. My theory with all of this, with the phones, with the accessories and those sorts of things, is it's not about the revenue because although they make a fair bit of money off the accessories. I don't think that's the primary driver. We said in previous episodes about how Tim Cook won't do a business unless there's a billion pounds in it because mm. that's what it takes to that's excite the them. Yeah. I think it's about making the product look the best it can be. So when you're out there and you see people with all these air tags yeah. hanging off their bags or their keys, they always look brilliant because they're always in those pristine Apple mm. accessories on day one and they always look gorgeous. And over time, you then see iPhones in the cheap cases and those sorts of yeah. things. But it's about the, the product presentation. They're never going to sell a three-quid case because a three-quid case won't look Apple quality. Yeah, And yeah. they've got to create that cachet. Two quick things uh, which might help listeners. If you haven't bought any AirTags, you're thinking about it. One, unlike Tile, you can't press the tracker and have the phone go chirp. So I can find my phone with my keys by pressing the Tile and mm. doing a find my phone. I found with that, actually, that I got more than 50% of false triggers anyway when I had squashed the keys in my pocket or I was yeah. holding things in my hand getting in the car. So that used to irritate me anyway. And secondly, the sharing is slightly different to Tile, which is you can't do family sharing on AirTags yet. So in Tile, I used to be able to add my wife's Tile devices yes. into our account and I could see where her devices were and vice versa to find with our own app. You can't do that yet with Find My Stuff. So she's got to look up her devices, basically. It splits both ways. She needs to search for her devices, but she benefits from me being near them with my iPhone, which right. didn't work well on Tile. But also in the rest of the Find My Items uh, section of the Apple app, she can see all my devices, my laptop, my phone, and those sorts of things because we share. It'll only be a matter of time before sharing is turned on, I'm sure. Just It was a notable feature on day one. Mm. But so far, so good. I walked around the car park looking for the car, left my house keys in the car, and walked around and it pointed me at the car quite happily. That was quite nice. So, so far, so good. Haven't actually lost anything yet, though, to, to try out, but <laughs> impressed. Uh, I think I was listening to ATP 
this week and the hosts on that show said they didn't expect to be more excited by tiles than the other items announced in Apple's event this season. For me, yeah, that was a standout device. I cannot wait for a good company to make something for my wallet, though, because you're not going to fit an AirTag in a wallet. It's too fat. Right. I really want one of them in my, in my wallet because that's the other thing I sometimes leave in pockets or bags or something I need to find. Mm. So, yeah. But I think that's going to be a really interesting ecosystem over time. Definitely, I can well imagine it's going to have that lock-in effect that we talked about because I can already see it. Yeah, more AirTags news as we get it. Ray Flanford, very quickly before we move on, uh, City Mapper and it made some announcements today. They did, and worth mentioning because we've mentioned them on many a previous episode as one of our favourite apps for kind of doing that urban transport planning. They've announced that they are doing crowdfunding. They have gone through various rounds of funding and, and are now going down that route. I think there's a fair degree of scepticism about what their business model is and how they make money, but of course a bit more has come out today. A lot of that is around B2B and kind of partnership deals plus affiliates with the partners where you're ordering things, you know, mostly services through the app. But none of that has really got them to profit. And so there's kind of this underlying skepticism that they need to be bought or go to IPO to kind of really go to the kind of valuation and the money that has been invested so far. So interesting to see that. But there was also Clubhouse, which maybe we'll come back and talk about because that's to me, almost another interesting point that's separate to what they announced around the crowdfunding. I mean, Ewan, you've done bits of crowdfunding, City Mapper, yes or no? I have. Yes, yeah. Um, there you go. That's my answer. Yeah. Excellent. Well, that's no. decisive. Yeah. Okay. Ben, would you like to provide some more delightful insight? <laughs> so I've done far less crowdfunding than Ewan, and I think perhaps I'm a bit more nervous about it. But I looked at the offering this morning and decided it probably wasn't for me because. I didn't understand the market as well. When I went into crowdfund Monzo, it's a product I use every day. I understand the bits of it that I use fairly well, and I can understand how it would make money. I love CityMapper. I think it's the best multimodal planning app out there. I love the fact that they try new things and that they, you know, they tried the bus and it didn't quite work, but they did some learning. I, I love the honesty around that. You know, I think if I gave them money, it would be a, like a charitable donation, not an investment, because I wouldn't know how I was ever going to get my money back. Given they're well oversubscribed, I'll just stand back and let people who get it and want to invest go at this time. But I hope they succeed because I love it. I think one of the things that did spark some interest was, as you said, reading the details they've published to do crowdfunding. They talk about how they sort of sell and share data in order to make revenue. Mm. The way I read it, it was perfectly reasonable. It was about aggregated transit data. So it didn't have, you know, sort of the, the kind of concerns you'd have about privacy and those sorts of things. But it makes me think they're going to need to say more about that to reassure and help consumers understand, you know, why it's okay for them to sell that data. But actually, my understanding is it was great. I kind of wish them well, but I'd rather buy their product as a consumer than invest in their business for now, because my money won't make a big difference. And much the same as Monzo was, was voting with my wallet on something I understood. Oh. Okay, guys, look, there is something that I have been wanting to do and that I think I trailed it in the last oh, no. episode. No, 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 yes, no, no. Yes, we're starting no. this now. We're doing no. this, Rafe. And that is we're going to experiment with Lord Blanford here. <sighs> and I have been wanting to try these delivery apps. Now, you know I love delivery apps. I, re I really, really think they're cool because it helps change how you live your life, these services. I am a massive fan of Deliveroo, et cetera, et cetera, all of those different services. And we have used them a lot, those type of services, a lot 
when we were recording physically, if you remember, guys, right? If this is going the way I think it is, it's not helping you change the way you live your life. It's helping you change the way Rafe lives his life. Mm. <laughs> well, in, in this case, so unfortunately is for- Is this a living uh, vicariously thing, Ewan? Yes, it is. Okay, Long well, term. As long as we yeah, keep absolutely. it uh, on-demand delivery, I'm fine. It's on-demand delivery. It is not, I am sorry to say to many of our loyal listeners, it is not a Rub Rafe episode. Unfortunately, Thankfully. you can get Rub Rafe. Now, where was that season? What was it? Season 14 or something, was it? Check the show notes. We'll have the link in the show notes. Rub Rafe. I'm just it's one word, Rub Rafe. You're the, you're the, ah, here it is. The On Demand Economy, season 13, episode 5, if, you, if you're looking for Rub Rafe. That's where we actually got a lady to arrive via mobile app and give Rafe a massage, a very nice relaxing massage on air while we're recording. And she was a professional masseur as well. So that was and she nice. knew what she was doing. And I, th- I thought kudos to her for getting on with the job while we were busy nattering about Nokia or whatever. But you can hear Rafe falling asleep live, which is really quite interesting. And that was a very popular episode. That one. But this time we're going to do something different. There has been a rise of the on-demand delivery services that are not about meals. Now, I don't really know what you call these, because is is it grocery delivery? But basically, it's services that will deliver within, let's say, 15 minutes. Because, you know, of course, you you can use supermarket delivery services, and that's next day, or you're lucky if it's next day. You can certainly use the meal delivery services and they're within the hour, usually half an hour or, or thereabouts. But there has been a, an explosion, an absolute explosion of services all across Europe, and, and in fact around the planet, for services whereby they deliver groceries to you, you know, in sub-10 minutes. Or at least that's what the media says. Now, I haven't experienced this here in Oman. In Oman, we're very, very well served with um, a Talabat and Akid. I use Talabat every day, Akid, most days to bring stuff. And then Insta Shop has just arrived here. That's a, a regional play and that's within the hour. That's delivery of groceries within the hour. There are some services where if you live in London or in the big metropolitan areas, you can get stuff delivered super, super fast. So I thought we should try it. How fast, Jaren? How fast? I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you. Thank you for teeing me up there. Dear listener, I have put the Blanford's London address into Getir, G-E-T-I-R. Okay. Mm-hmm. Can we take a moment just to celebrate the fact that for the first time in 10 years, you and McLeod has arrived as the only person having done any research for the episode? <laughs> <laughs> come on, come on, come on. That's not necessary. Hey, I'm the 50%, right? I'm the 50%. <laughs> You're okay? the 50%. Extra. As per that one guy. What was his name? Uh, Chris. Chris. Yeah, thanks again, Chris. That was from a review, if you're wondering, listeners. So Rafe's address is in the app Get Here. Now, I have also got Zap. But just be where um, Rafe lives, it's actually a bit quicker. And Zap was 20 minutes for delivery, on estimated. This one, 13 minutes. Okay. Okay, 13 minutes. And in the app, there is everything from confectionery, crisps, snacks, drinks. And this is coming from a, a dark store, as it's called, right? It's just a small warehouse, like a, a non-shop, basically, a big room somewhere. And I can actually, I, I can tell you where it is, Rafe. Basically, I can, it is, I can't zoom in. It's um, East London Tech. It's just along from East London Tech City. So basically, it's 13 minutes from you. Right. Okay. okay. And you've got crisps, snacks, drinks, ready meals, bakery, food cupboard, dairy, pharmacy. This is lovely, care, but I don't really need anything. Bananas. Well, okay. So the minimum delivery is £10, minimum. Okay. Right. So, Rafe, I'm going to order you some stuff. Okay. You can actually order some frozen food. Mm. There is. Um, 
sensible. McCain oven chips. Now, I know they do like these. You would probably like the alphabet. Uh, where are the alphabet ones? I saw them. Oh, no. Oh, okay. No, they're, they're bird's eye mini waffles. So um, He only likes them if they come with Greek characters, though. Uh, <laughs> Reminds me of a few days. Uh, You're good. Now, Rafe, what's your favorite chocolate? Because uh, I keep on sending you these very, very expensive Charbonnel and Walker. Which are very things. Nice. Right, but then that you give to your father, and I thought your father does appreciate them. You don't, though. You don't, um, do you? Could I have something healthy, like some fruit? Oh, no. <laughs> no, no, we're not doing that. I can send you some rosé or a bacon sandwich, club sandwich. But look, okay, let's, let's just do, so I'm going to do confectionery. Let's just be sensible, right? Sensible meaning have some, fruit. some buttons. Let's have some Cadbury's buttons. Maybe some vegetables. I think I would very much one. like to see what 10 pounds of confectionery arriving at Roast okay, looks like. There you go. Cadbury dairy milk caramel. Dairy milk caramel, Rafe? Uh, I can't believe Come I'm on. having this conversation. Come on. Just, I'll just have milk, not game. caramel, please. Oh, um, minstrels. That's too quick. No, m M&M, and Do you like m and peanuts? M&M's? I don't like M&M's, but I would like some Peanuts, fruit. effectively. Something a healthy. Come on, man. Oh, wait, wait. There's a giant bag of buttons. I'm going to send him that. Lovely. A little smart. He's not as smart as for a little while. Some you milky know, bar buttons. He likes like, these. Live a healthy lifestyle. And Maltesers comes truffles. Along. Right, okay, wait a minute. Okay, I'm at eight pounds. I'm at eight pounds 30. So, Ben, what do you want? I'm going to send him a flake as well. Listeners will know for a long time back that Rafe was famed for his taste for Mars bars because Mars bars were what yes, ran the Rafe yes. Blanford blogging operation back when that was a this media powerhouse. Yeah. Done. Done that. Right. Mars bars. I've got one Mars bar in there because I've got quite a lot of chocolate here. Right. Should I take some off? or Some fruit maybe. You know, and sorry, I should have explained healthy, to your listener. Right. Fruit juice. I'm going to get up to 10 quid and I know he's winding him up because he doesn't like being an experiment but this is really important you dear listener want to know how this stuff works right we want to play with this so I'm going to order in a minute and then as we are recording we've got some proper stuff to talk about in just a minute I'm going to order and then the guy is hopefully going to deliver it to you Rafe and if he calls me I'll say hi I'm in Muscat <laughs> <laughs> you know I don't know where you are you might need to speak to him okay I'd, we'll do that okay. live okay, okay. Right. right onwards Whilst Ewan is concluding his shopping, we'll share when he hits order. We'll tell you in a second. So, Rafe, have you used any of these services? Because I'm too rural to have these yet, and Ewan's yeah. too, uh, too Amani-based to Quite far have. away. So. Well, you, you've tried your local operators. Yeah. The closest I've got is Prime Now, which I think is where I am, is a two-hour delivery service, which is great, but once you've tried it, the novelty wears off. Do you use any of these delivery services? Uh, use Amazon Prime Now quite a bit usually for things that i can't get in the local shops and that's been the odd things like batteries and it's all a bit embarrassing because you feel like bad about it from environment and everything else point of view but kind of curious about how it worked always very impressed used it to get some uh, groceries a couple of times as well to get to the minimum order value these quicker ones are kind of really intriguing for me because i've got a sainsbury's local which is basically a small supermarket three or four minutes away but there are occasions when it would be helpful to get things. And one of them was I was uh, going out to see someone, needed to get a few more things for the picnic that was going to happen and was able to pick up the bits and pieces and just made it super simple. And I, I was kind of curious about it, but I do wonder about this because especially where these operate, there are like the small supermarkets and the corner shops all over the place. So it's the ultimate lazy solution to order this way. So I'm kind of intrigued how this will feel, apart from like sugar high. 
Let me stop you there. So Yuma Cloud has given me the secret yeah. signal that indicates yeah. he's ready to commence this entirely oh, scientific great, great, experiment. Look, great. if I didn't get any crisps, is that all right? He'll survive. He'll, he'll, he'll be, be fine. fine. He's got right. his mask. Three, bars. two, one. You ready? Done. Go. Oh, no. Okay, so hey. 25 minutes past the hour oh, for, no. for those of us in real oh, time. Oh, no. Oh, no. No available couriers right now. Let's put you in the queue. It will be on, our, on its way in 15 to 20 minutes. Interesting. Well, let's let, us, let the experiment run. I'll say get in the queue then. Or get let's in the queue. There we get go. Get in the queue. Let's let, let the right. experiment run. Obviously, what they're really doing is the fella's just gone out the back to get the wheelbarrow of chocolate. Okay, you can track your order live on the map. So it's 13 minutes when they accept it, basically. So there's no guys available at the minute. But there we go. Let's see. So going back to 2016, when we did the Rub Rafe Massage on Demand, I actually got all of the towels and things that we needed. So the lady who did the massage sent through, you know, in advance of the thing says, you know, you'll need a, because we said we're doing it at work, you know, you'll need a place mm. to have your massage and I need you to provide your own towel and that kind of stuff. So I used TaskRabbit to go and do some shopping. And That's right. I remember. I asked her to go and get, I think it was towels from John Lewis, which is a sort of big department store here in the UK. And of course, John Lewis quality. Absolutely. Yes. Only the best for Rafe Blanford. And I believe yes. that the lady who did the shopping for us actually went to the John Lewis store in Oxford Street. So that was a couple of miles away, but it's the main shopping center. Mm. So she was able to go and get, you know, kind of exactly what we needed from the selection. And that was interesting. But I do recall with that service, because we were paying sort of like a um, hired help you know we were basically sort of paying somebody to be an assistant rather than a shopper yes per hour i think the service ended up costing as much as the product did so it wasn't a great way to have shopping done and what she'd done it in the past and if you wanted something very precise or if you wanted her to call you and say they've got you know blue or green what would you like and have it be interactive that worked but it wasn't very economic Mm. i'm curious about how the economics of this plays out as well because a £10 order, I would imagine, sort of employing somebody to pick it, collect it, cycle over to Rafe's house and deliver it is a half-hour task, potentially. You know, how that will necessarily um, play out. Hmm. I think it's the VCs are paying for this at the moment, I'd imagine. Well, let, let's see. But Rafe, there's chocolate on your way to your house, so I'm very jealous because there's no chocolate to my house. But let's move on and talk about the main substance of today's show, and hopefully we'll be interrupted in between 13 and 26 minutes. I'm going to let you know when one of their people has accepted the order, right? Because it's queued at the minute, it says on the app. Perfect. So let's move on. We're going to have a quick catch up on all things home automation. It's been a while since we've talked about home automation. And I know uh, it sounds a bit nerdy, but I think actually I have a, a pet theory now that Amazon's devices are the stealth way that people are getting home automation into their houses. It's not a tech nerd thing anymore. People are quite mm. comfortable saying, turn a light on or start a timer or do those things. So wanted to do a quick catch up. And well, Rafe, we'll come back to you first because you've got the most sort of consumer friendly new home automation product in your life in the shape of the new Amazon Echo Show device, which is known to the experts as the twisty turny one. So tell us about it and how you've been using it. Tell us, tell us all. That's right. So it's the third generation and I actually did have the first generation and went through the kind of a bit of the second generation one and I've been lucky enough to give away to family and friends because I want to keep on top of it but this one's interesting because it's essentially a 10 inch screen on top of a speaker but as you hinted at there it kind of follows you around the room because it's on a base that essentially rotates and so you can set up this motion on different arcs of rotation but more importantly once you start interacting with it it will follow you around the room which sort of when you start first second, why is that interesting? But 
at different points in the room, you can speak to it and you'll be looking directly at the screen. And it kind of solves one of the problems of these screen-based smart speakers and that you didn't always have the best angle on it. You couldn't see it. And actually the size at 10 inches means, you know, you can see it from a fair distance away because, you know, it's designed and the responses are pretty big on the screen. So that could be following a recipe, looking at weather information, playing back trailers. It will also show Amazon Prime content. And at that size, it does a perfectly reasonable job of doing it. If it's like setting on the breakfast bar or breakfast table or something like that. And they've obviously gone to quite a lot of trouble to kind of move on what the software experience is with the screen. But I've only used it for a few days, but being able to have it follow you around the room as you speak to it and as you're trying to interact with it and see stuff on it is more useful than I really thought it would be. And so it's kind of got a cautious thumbs up from me. And the reason it's interesting for home automation is that is what I'm issuing most of my command through. But then if I want to do a bit more fine control, I can do the interaction on the screen because I've set most of it up through Alexa. And that's everything from opening and closing the curtains. Sorry, the ro- I don't know that. Doesn't know that. And I said the word, didn't I? Yeah. You did. You did. You did. Your echo. And that's the robot vacuum cleaner, the lights, and a number of other items. But I completely agree with you in that it's making the home automation market more accessible. And this is just one more step forward. And that multimodal use of audio and screen is something has been much more useful than I kind of expected it to be because it's starting to show status information and things like that, which is genuinely a step forward compared to trying to do everything through voice. Yeah, we've had all three of the Echo shows and we put them in our kitchen. It's in the sort of the main thoroughfare. It's the busiest area. And I think early on I was sceptical because I thought that the voice assistant should be voice only. But now that we've had the mix, I think A, Amazon software has got a lot better. And so the ambient kind of display of, for us, it's weather information and calendar and these sorts of things is really useful. It's sort of taken over what otherwise might have been stuck to the fridge door in terms of who's doing what today and, uh, you know, kind of family information. But also, as we started to have more home automation things in our house, and we started off with just a table lamp that had a, a smart light in it that we could turn on and off with our voice. And it was nice because you could sit in the sofas and say, turn the table lamp on, and you didn't have to get up across the room to press the switch. And it was a nice convenience. But actually, what it also does is when you do that, is it pops up the display. And it means that for people who don't want to control these devices with their phone or visitors or, or people who perhaps are, are not as comfortable using apps to control home automation, and even I find it a pain, frankly, to get my phone out to do home automation. When you say turn on the table lamp, it pops up a big picture of the table lamp and it shows you the slider. So if you want to, you can walk over and make it brighter or make it dimmer. Mm. And it gives you a nice kind of physical interface to uh, smart devices. So I think that's fantastic. And actually, what started off with one table lamp, then became a second table lamp, then became a Sonos speaker to play some music, and it's grown from there. So I think these show devices are, are excellent. And in some respects, I'm, I'm disappointed that Apple don't have a HomePod device with a screen on. I think the combination would be really powerful. Ewan, do you have Amazon Echoes mm. with you in Muscat? I actually bought one from Gadgets or Man, the actual physical store. Gadgets or Man is, I use that, it's WhatsApp. I love it because they, they just deliver whatever you want. You just say to the guy on WhatsApp, do you have any whatever? And then he writes back two minutes later with photos from the shop. And then they stick a guy in a car, comes and delivers it. It's just fantastic. 
So it's a bit old school, but it works by the sound of things. Oh, it's just amazing. So we got, so I have an Amazon, the latest Amazon Echo standard Echo. They didn't have the show. I like the idea of the show. I love the sound of that. I have to say, I used to be a massive, as you know, a massive, massive, massive home gadget, you know, guy. I was with you guys. Then here in Muscat, don't take this the wrong way, right? The place feels too big for home automation, right? Mm. Now, what I mean by that is, first of all, it is concrete walls. Yes. Right? And it's quite a spread out villa, right? So I did try a few things, like your sense. I love the sensors. I like to. Rafe, just listen to him trying not to say, My house is too big for this. Go on. Yeah, it's good, isn't it? I'm enjoying this. Go on. Explain to us how your house is too big for convenience. If you can evidence to me or explain to me how to repeat the signals easily and effectively. Because I was wondering, didn't the Google Wi-Fi, because I've got the, or the, my, the Wi-Fi, I've got the Google Wi-Fi here, and I'm wondering, does that not have some repeating stuff? Well, you can. I mean, and um, some of the smart home devices also have repeaters. Like the Zigbee, Wigbee, whatever, you know. Precisely. Yeah. But having said that, it's incredibly hard to know what does what and how well it does it. And I think that's one of those, it does it in theory, but actually... I wouldn't want to buy a product that would only work if the repeaters and the signal repeaters all worked correctly because it's hard to control. Right. This is the issue I've got. So I've tried it a little bit and it's been re- yeah, Wi-Fi. Wi-Fi is per room. Yes. Okay. It just doesn't, the signals just don't go out of the rooms because there's concrete and it's, it's and as I say, it's spread out. So it's not, it, I'm not saying it's big. It's just, it's, you know, the place is spread out and concrete. So I can't, Really, and feel in like your it. defense, yeah. Yeah. whilst I'm enjoying you squirming because that's yeah. one of my favorite things, I suspect you probably have got steel reinforced concrete walls by the nature yeah. of the construction. And, and when you start to put metalwork in concrete walls, it really does begin to mess with, with signals. Now, as you say, you almost certainly could get repeaters and those sorts of things to combat that. It's not an impossible problem. But the construction that you had in the house in the UK, which is the same as the construction. Yeah, or in Denmark was Denmark was wood, you know, or wall. Exactly. And the construction we have here, which is yeah. brick and plasterwork and that yeah, sort of thing, yeah. is much, much more forgiving. And so it's much more doable to have a whole home covered by a single access point. I need to go and sit down and try this stuff out. But to play along, the nearest I've got to home automation is my Samsung Frame TV. My wife loves those. She's a big fan of those because the, I think I've said so before because they don't look like TVs. She doesn't like TVs. doesn't like them on the wall um, or anywhere, actually. So the frame is a big plus. But what I did is I hooked my Bose headphones, the new whatever they are, quiet, comfort, blah, blah, blahs. I hooked them up to the TV the other day. And I was just, I was amazed because I, I didn't remember. I couldn't I thought, does, that, does a Samsung frame have Bluetooth? Yeah. I was curious. Went downstairs, put their headphones on and, and compared them. Wow. Amazing. Really impressive. So there you go. It's not quite home automation, but I was, I was dead impressed that actually the TV's got Bluetooth and uh, the Bose worked perfectly. Because you, know, you and I, all of us, we're still of that generation when Bluetooth wasn't quite Bluetooth, right? When it didn't really work. When yeah. the device says, oh, it's Bluetooth compatible, and you try and, no, it doesn't actually work. And I thought that might be the status of the TV, but no, clearly things have moved on. So that, that was very helpful. Sat and watched the movie in silence. Let's just wrap on the Alexa show. So my feedback's much the same as Rafe's in terms of the pleasantness of the device always looking at you. It feels weird as it spins around, but it works well. And I also noticed it tracks the right person. So as different people in the same room speak, it will clock which person has spoken and track that person instead, which would be great. I read a review, which I can't, I have to say, I haven't been able to confirm myself, that said because the whole device 
the whole assembly spins that you get better audio because it's always facing the speakers towards you. I can't say that I've noticed that, but the audio is excellent anyway. So yeah, it's recommended. I think it's still a little bit expensive for what it is. The, the screen hasn't vastly improved since the last version, although it has a camera cover now, which is um, a nice uh, sort of family acceptance factor for a bit of privacy when you don't need to be using the camera. But yeah, it's been fascinating. And I think I now just assume that we will have Amazon Echo devices all around the house and that they will be the main way that we talk to the house. And we've stopped comparison shopping now. It's just, these are the devices, this is the way you do it. And it's been around long enough. So um, I really do like the show. My biggest gripe, if I have one, if people are thinking about getting one of these is we had two nearby and they seem to have got worse at spotting which one you're standing closest to. So, you know, you'll say the trigger word and the one furthest away yeah. will hear you and respond. Computer. Exactly. And that's annoying because one of the best things about those Echo devices is you can say which room they're in. So you can say, hey, thingy, turn the lights on. And you don't have to say in the room I'm in or in the kitchen because it knows what room the device is in. And of course, if the device in an adjacent room is turned on. So for example, I was sat in the playroom the other day with my son and said, hey, thingy, turn the lights on. And it turned the lights on in the kitchen because the device in the kitchen heard me first <laughs> but aside from that no it's been very good and could you just sorry would you just give us a quick tally where are the echoes in your uh, house what have you got what uh, do you use by the bedside spot in the bedside nightstand is that the one with a screen or no that's the small circular one with the screen yeah on our nightstand is that his and hers or just one just one okay in our room uh on the nightstand my son has a dot in his bedroom right for turning his table lamp on and off okay we have one in the kitchen, which is the one with the screen for cooking and sort of household controls mm-hmm. duty, and one in the playroom, which is primarily for playing music, audio and those sorts of things. Audio, yeah, right. And as I say, like Rafe, I think we've had all three Echo shows now. Our original Echo show is just the screen that's just given up the ghost, so it was time for a replacement anyway. I want to come back to your TVs, though, because actually one of the things that we also have a, a Samsung frame, we're not, yeah. <laughs> we're not sponsored, but... <laughs> Perhaps we should be. But yes. actually, one of the things that I noticed then I thought was going to be cool, but we've turned out not to use, is Samsung's attempt to link up these frame TVs with smart things and with smart home mm. automation stuff. And I wondered whether or not you were using the app on the TV as a way to control your home. Because, for example, mm. on ours, we were even able to look at cameras and uh, change the temperature and turn lights on and off and those sorts of yeah. things which seemed cool until I kind of realized that when I'm watching telly, I'm not doing any of those things. I played with it a little bit in Denmark because I had a full, full everything set up in Denmark. Everything, right? Cameras, the whole shebang, monitoring, sensors, everything. I did have it set up. It wasn't brilliant. And then I just used my phone. You know, it was all right. But I have never, ever, ever liked smart TV software, right? It's never been fast enough or good enough quality for me. I've never been turned on by it. So I've always found it a bit crappy. The latest, latest, latest versions aren't that bad. In fact, I do find Netflix or the equivalent on the Samsung TV almost indistinguishable. Almost. This was not the case a couple of years ago, but almost indistinguishable from using Apple TV. To the point that I don't actually know of any Apple TV, you know, with the Samsung. Now, we'll still have it. We've got a lot of Apple content. But, you know, the children, they use to navigate to the Apple TV and then go into that, but now they can't be bothered. And they would not use the Samsung one, because it always looked a bit crappy and didn't really work. But they now don't care, they just use a Samsung. So that's pretty cool. 
I think that's quite impressive. And Rafe, my one, I've tried and tried and tried to set it up to work with the Echo so that I can say turn the TV on and off and those sorts of things. And although it has an integration, it doesn't seem to work reliably, but the TV has Bixby built in, which is Samsung's own voice yeah. assistant. Have you tried to use that at all? Have you had any success? I found it to be a very distant, poor relation to the large voice assistants. I don't have one myself. I do have family who do, and I've, I've tried, and I was called in to help with the setup and echo what you said about the software, although I still feel that what you get through something like Roku or the Fire TV stick is probably the slickest, most consistent of the smart TV implementations and has a very good collection of all the apps and services and everything else. But I've yet to see really good voice. And on Sky, you also have voice now. You know, Amazon has it as well. But I'm still just waiting for that one where, as you say, it's that use case of it becoming easier than picking up the remote control. And I, I just don't think we're there yet. It's worth saying, though, that the Frame TV, one of the reasons to get one, like the screen isn't necessarily anything to write home about, like that will get dinged in reviews. But it's always on the kind of the art mode that you can switch on to is the reason most people end up buying it. And yeah. definitely a fan of that. The fact that they have a mode that it will switch itself off on a motion sensor and switch itself back on again. And those kind of things, you know, is the attraction of, of something like that. And obviously the aesthetics of it sitting on the wall allows that mm. kind of partner acceptance factor to really come home for something which, which is, like, let's be honest, quite a premium purchase. I'm still waiting for the TV that really gets that home automation correct because, you know, maybe it's the kind of dashboard geek in me, but I'd love to see something that enabled you to kind of see everything at a glance from the sensors, the light controls, and then maybe be able to control that with your voice to switch into the cameras when appropriate, when the delivery is incoming or something like that. And it just feels like there's this big screen in your home that doesn't get used well enough. And the Frame TV is one of the closest I've seen because of that art mode. And for those that don't know, there is a Samsung partnership. You can get a subscription, see world-famous art on it. You can put your own photos and things on it. But it, I'm just surprised that no one really seems to have hit this home. And whether that's the voice integration with you know Bixby or any of the others, or really making use of seamlessly integrating it into the home. Because as we were talking about you know, with regard to the Echo Show, that multimodal usage is really interesting and the frame tv comes as close as anything i've seen to being a screen that is also happens to be a tv but i really want to have a home that has a big screen that, that can be used for whether that's laptop you know a display throwing content onto it everything else and not there yet if you have a, an apple tv and home kit accessories lots of cool things like when somebody rings your doorbell the doorbell camera will pop up over the footage that you're watching and it will be that kind of nicely integrated world that's quite cool and likewise, with the Amazon Fire Stick, you can get a sort of a, it's not quite a dashboard, but you can get the Echo devices to control what comes up on the screen and you can pass content around much more seamlessly. But it's disappointing that those aren't TV manufacturers. You have to be in those apps or using those particular devices and you don't just leave those on passively. You know, that passive mode on the Frame TV would be fantastic to have a sort of a smart integration to give you even if it was just weather and the sort of information that might otherwise be available on an Echo device. But let's pause briefly on TVs and all of that good stuff, and let's just do a quick check on the chocolate, you and McLeod. Right, yes, I can give you a current status. Um, we are. I'm, I'm sorry, this hasn't worked as I was expecting, right? We're in the queue, five to ten minutes. It's Bethnal Green Tube Station is where it's nearby. 
Really? Right. It's not that new. And is, is your Sainsbury's past Whitechapel, by the way? My Sainsbury's is about 75 metres that way, which is oh, on I the see. commercial road. Bethnal Green's tube station is about two miles that way. Okay, well, it's two miles away anyway. So five to ten minutes. I don't think this is going to work. I mean, you know, five to ten minutes in the queue. So I think what they're saying, and I'll just show, I'll show you, right? You can see it. Uh, mm, mm, uh, we'll see. Five. Getting hungry now, Aaron. Sorry. Now, what's the time in London right now? As we record this? Yeah. It's 7.47. What, sorry, 7? It is. So it's 7.47. So May 7.47. Maybe they're very, very busy. But that's unfortunate. We're 23 minutes in. I would have probably had my Amazon Prime now by now. It's a little inconvenient that it told me you're 13, 14 minutes. And then the minute I press order, it then says, yeah, but you're 15 minutes away minimum. So we're in the queue of five to 10 minutes. That does, it was 15 minutes. It's now gone down to five to 10 minutes, it says here in the app, before they'll do anything. So it's queued, then... There is a little thing at the bottom of the app saying queued preparing on the way at the address. So there we go. Real time, real time. There we go. Well, yeah. let's stick with it because we've got the rest of the episode. Okay, yeah. so let's move on. Final topic of the day. I wanted to give you a little update on my home automation journey because I have made some purchases recently and it's not so much about the purchases, but it's the fact that they are new products. So Ooh. I have bought some Hue wall switch modules, which sounds incredibly boring, but yes. these... Tell us, tell us Thank more. you. Thank you for your confirmation. Well, look, wall switch modules, does this involve a screwdriver? I understand there's also some other Hue products in your shopping basket recently, and there is a danger that you are buying half the inventory of <laughs> Hue from what you've been telling us. <laughs> half. Who can say whether it's half or not? Um, so for people who haven't been following along at home, if you buy a smart light bulb, mm. the best thing you can do is to put it in a table lamp, because then you can use your app, or you can use a, a, a wireless button, or you can use a voice assistant to say, turn that light on and off. And that's fantastic, because it's no problem just to leave that table lamp on all the time, and then you can say, turn it on or off, and that means that you maintain control of the bulb. But of course, as soon as you take the power away from that table lamp, that smart bulb stops working. If you turn the switch off at the wall, the plug off, no amount of cleverness is going to turn that lamp back on. So some people don't use smart bulbs, they use smart plugs and those sorts of things, but the same problem holds. The other thing is that when you then get away from lamps and you start to talk about putting lights in perhaps ceilings or permanent installations, it begins to get a bit messy because, of course, mm. you've got a light switch there which everyone is trained to use, and myself included, you sort of default to turning lights on and off with the switch because it's in the place where it's been for all the years since you've lived in your house, and you've got some muscle memory there. And the problem is that the little wireless button or the little wireless control or the app that you use, it doesn't come to front of mind to turn the lights on and off. And so it, inevitably you end up with this unhappy halfway house where half the time all your smart lights are turned off at the wall switch because they don't have any power and they don't respond to you trying to turn them on. Hmm. So this has been a problem for years and people have got around it by sticking remote controls over the top of light switches or covering over their switches and just, you know, I saw one the other day where somebody just got a big post-it and written no and stuck it over the top of their light <laughs> switch and then stuck a button underneath. And that works. And if you're, you know, if you're in a student house or something like that, or renting and you want a nice temporary solution, it's doable. But, you know, if you'd like a nice finish if you'd like your smart home installation to be a little bit more seamless, what it was really lacking was the ability to have the buttons on your wall, the existing buttons in your, your light switches, actually control smart lighting. And so, you know, that's a very long preamble to say that Hue have finally released a wall switch module. 
And it's, for me, I think it's really well done because it requires a little bit of DIY, but it's the right amount of DIY that I think most people will be able to handle. And crucially, it means that I've now got hue bulbs dotted around my house, some in the ceiling in, in permanent installations, some in lamps, in a kitchen and in bedrooms and places like that. And I'm able to turn them off by pressing a button on the wall, which is the proper, the real, the actual light switch, not some mm. plastic button, not some sort of temporary thing, not some little remote control. So these are fantastic modules. What you do is you open up the box and you get a little connector and you undo your light switch and you, oh, you turn your electric power off and you connect the wires in the walls together using this little connector. And then mm. you wire this uh, wall switch module into the switch. And I was reticent because I'm not, you know, I'm not comfortable, but actually I was, as an amateur, I was able to do it. It's really simple instructions. You can do it with a screwdriver. It's a 15-minute DIY job. If you've ever wired a plug, you have the skills to do this. So you know, it's not no work, but it is entirely doable. And the best thing is that at the time I took my wall switches off, I um, switched them around. So I, I went from rocker switches, you know, where up is on and up is yeah. off and down is, is on. I replaced them with what's called momentary or retractive switches, which is where you press it and it goes click and that's it. You know, it's kind of like a press button thing. And so now in various places around my house, I can press my wall switches and it turns my hue lights on. And what's really nice and the real value for me is that it can turn them on the right amount for the time of the day. So when I press the kitchen lights in the morning, it brings the lights up nice and bright in daylight. It sort of wakes us all up if we're energized, nice bright light. And then in the evening when you press the same switch, a softer, more gentle light comes on and it just sort of, it's more comfortable. And it's nice because, you know, the kind of house we live in, if we just had the same lights all the time, it was like too bright. You know, you come in in the evening and you turn the kitchen lights on and it's like, oh no, you know, it's, it's, it's uncomfortable to look at. So this actually is a real quality of life thing. And Hugh have done a really good job because there's been lots of very technically complex ways to solve this problem with third-party products and proper, you know, real hardcore home automation gizmos you wire in. But frankly, most of them require you to have some knowledge of the uh, electrics, some higher level of comfort with doing DIY on your electrics. And it was too much for me, whereas these are fantastic and they work really nicely and reliably as well. So we've got three so far. They're in short supply. They're really hard to get hold of, but I've got some around the house and they're working nicely. So just take us from, so you've got to take the plate off, right? So, yep. So first of all, you turn your electrical power off yeah. and you check that your lights don't Which work. Which is, by the way, well. annoying, right? Because I've got so many things that I don't really want to do that. But anyway, carry on. Well, you don't need to turn the power to your whole house off, just your lighting circuit. So if you're like me, you can go to the breakers in your house and my lighting circuit is on a different breaker to my plug sockets. So right. I was able to just turn my lights off and leave all my computers and everything else on the plugs running. My fridge stayed on. So okay. turn your lighting circuit off, check that. Then take the light fitting or the, the light switch off the wall. Yeah. In the UK, we don't have uh, neutrals to the switch. So you just have two wires coming down to the switch. You have a little plastic connector in the box, which both the wires go into. It joins them so the circuit is permanently on. Yeah. Push that back into the box, and then you have a little gizmo, a little little switch, which has two wires coming out of it, which goes into your switch. So it means that your wall switch is now just connected to this little white gizmo. I mean, literally, I could walk around with this wall switch in my hand and use it like a remote control because it's not wired in to the electrics okay. of your house at all. And so what you've now done is you've made your wall switch a remote control because it's right. wired into this little gizmo. The little gizmo has a battery that will last a year at least. Okay, so it doesn't get power from the... No, it doesn't get power. It's nice and it's easy. It's safer. You're not worrying about 
which wires go into which holes or anything. It's just literally your button just makes a connection across this okay. battery powered device. And it's a remote control and it sends a signal to your Hubox and it lets you do, well, anything you'd like. So in my case, it lets me turn on lights that are not just on the circuit anymore. So this is really nice because, of course, the great thing about Hue is that I can say, oh, I'd like the lights in my kitchen. I'd like the light over the sofa and I'd like the light in the hallway to come on when mm. I press this button. Mm. And I'd have to press three switches in real life to make that happen. But I can, I can do that now. So I press that button and then you just pop the switch back on the wall and Bob's your uncle. It works. And what's nice is it's a properly endorsed, supported product. So you know that the electrical safety is sound. They give you the right kit to do it. You're not worrying about whether or not you're breaking electrical code because you know that it's appropriate. So yeah, I've been really impressed. I was able to do it three times without any problems. So I was very comfortable with it. So, you know, it, it's not no effort, but it is wiring a plug kind of levels. And I think most people listening to this podcast will probably be capable. You know, it's about confidence more than capability to do it. And uh, it works well. And the other thing that's interesting about that, from the way you've described it, it kind of solves the neutral wire problem that you have with other of these kind of relay type solutions. And I really like the way it essentially aggregates all your light switches together with the Hue scenes and that kind of automation yes. you have into Hue, but still basically means you can do voice, you can do switching, it all works on one system. The only question I have is, like, are you prepared to be locked into the Hue ecosystem, which that kind of implies? Well, I think that boat has sailed, hasn't it? Yes and no, but I think one of the reasons that this appealed to me, so, so you said relay, Rafe, and in other home automation systems, what you do is you literally get a relay and it's a electrical switch that you wire into the circuit and then your physical switch controls it. And so you're adding a new component to your home wiring, you connect it to your home automation service and it very much locks you in because you are completely, you know, it's physically wired into your electrical supply system. I'm only as locked in as long as it takes me to take two screws out of the wall, mm. unplug this, plug my wires back into my switch. If we were to move home, I could reverse those three switches in three lots of 10 minutes. So whilst I'm using them for smart lighting, yes, I am, but then I already have the bulbs. So for me, it was one of those things. The elegance of a Hue light bulb is it just replaces a normal light bulb and you don't have to have a special fitting. You don't have to have a special electrics. It's just nice, you know, sort of plug and play. And this feels like the Hue version of that. There are other products that are more complicated, but actually this works nicely. It works with their app. If this is all that you wanted, it would work well, whereas a lot of the other solutions involve a lot more sort of investment and a lot more complexity. So I think that was good. And, it's, and as you say, it's not a relay. It's not an electrical device. It's just a remote control hiding behind your switch. And uh, what it does is it has very good acceptance factor because now when people come into your house, they want to know how to turn the lights on. You don't have to leave a note that says yeah. to the babysitter, <laughs> use the special remote control. They press the light switch and things happen. And actually, something I, have, though I have, something I haven't done yet that I could try is, obviously, you can have this switch turn the lights on and off if you'd like, which is great because that's what people expect to happen. But I could have a different switch which changes the colors or the modes or things. Mm -hmm. So you could have like a, a scene selector. I could have a real physical switch on the wall that let me press a button to say, dinner party scene, playtime scene, turn yeah. the lights up in the kitchen because I'm cooking scene, all of those kind of customizations. And I could have multiple press buttons to select those if I wanted to. And it would be, again, nice and integrated and just a little bit more, perhaps, I don't know, for me, a bit more grown up looking, you know, in the house. One thing that is worth saying here is you effectively do need all of the lights on that particular switch to be hue. This is not a halfway comparison as a taster thing. 
because it is implying you've got hue bulbs and everything and that's still a challenge in some cases because there are some things that hue don't provide alternative light bulbs or yeah absolutely i was reading some good advice that said as a rule of thumb if you want to replace a lot of lights so the lights that you'd have in your ceiling or if you want to make smart large areas of lighting the recommendation is to make the switch smart and the light bulbs dumb so that's where you have remote control over mm. the button on the wall and actually elsewhere in the house we've chosen to do that so i've got some lightwave rf stuff to control lights elsewhere in the house because that's a more cost efficient convenient way of doing it but we very specifically had areas where we wanted to be able to turn individual lights on and off to help us you know cook and have uh, bright lights over the table when we were eating and these sorts of things and the circuits that we had in the house meant that we had to have lots and lots of lights on all at the same time or none and so actually that was a good way for us to solve that problem was to have smart lights where every single light bulb in the ceiling can be on or off you know depending on your preference that really worked for us so more expensive but far more flexible and i think actually in our house we're going to end up with a mix of both which is where the lighting layout wasn't the way we liked it smart bulbs where the layout is the way we liked it but we just wanted convenience smart switches and this is the thing i like about home automation without necessarily having to hack things apart like putting in more circuits you can get that greater control over your lighting or whatever it happens to be and the same as the playback of audio and the flexibility you get on that and a few of the robots that are starting to come in and you know that can be locks i've talked about curtains before it does mm. feel like it is the way to kind of you know it's a terrible expression to use but optimize the way you are living in your house and i definitely understand that being able to turn on certain lights but not all of them because that definitely becomes energy efficient and i'm in a room where during the day i really just want the light on over my desk i don't need everything else on because there's light coming in natural light through the windows and so that's worth thinking about from that point of view you know and actually the smartness can just be on and off and not a lot more than that but you know the other thing i think that's really noticeable about these new hue switches that uh, ben's been talking about one switch to turn everything on and one thing to turn everything off at night that kind of aggregation of rooms together much more reflects how you typically live in a house and so it's those slightly understated benefits and i think that applies you know like to multi-room audio it's the same thing and it used to be all about automating everything and i played that game when putting the lights in the first rule like having motion sensors switch everything on or geofencing or all of that and i still do some of that but it's actually for me become the convenience of control that wasn't just about what can you do that's better than a light switch Yes, although this will only control hue lights, if you have hue lights, you could use it to change colours, you could use it to turn on or off, you can use it to select scenes. One of the examples they give on the website is a sort of what I would term like a kill switch, a front door switch, where as you leave, you press the button and it turns all the lights off in the house. And, you know, there's that convenience as well. So these are fantastic little units. Again, I mean, if you weren't going to use hue, I don't think this is going to make you choose them. But if you were using hue and frustrated by the limitations, this is a fantastic device. And like I say, it works with both rocker and momentary switches. So if you have a switch that sort of clicks up and down, it will work with that and it will monitor those state changes. I personally prefer the push button ones because I didn't want to turn our lights on with a voice assistant and then turn them off with the switch and to have the state, you know, the up and down state be wrong. It always bugs me. So we've always just gone for push button switches, but you can buy a replacement push button switch button you know, for a few pounds because they're, you know, simple from a DIY shop. They don't have to be uh, 
special for Hugh. And uh, you can go and buy one that matches your existing decor. So you and McLeod, uh, that's enough yeah. about my wall switch modules. I'll put a link in the show notes to, you can only buy these direct from Hugh now, but they'll be available across Europe from all the normal retailers in due course. I think mm. supply is a bit limited at the moment, but I think that's just COVID and that big boat that got stuck in the canal. Oh, yes. Which is blocking up supply chains. Let's have a chocolate update as we draw to a close. Okay, live update. There is a little icon now. Okay, I just checked earlier. With a guy, it's a little scooter and he's actually doing something. It, 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 it says it's on its way. Oh, and we can see his name there as well and presumably a photograph. Oh, yeah. That's right. Uh, when somebody tried to give you chocolate, you know it's the right person trying to give you chocolate. He's giving you the chocolate. That's quite cool. That's nice. I have the ability to chat to him and say, where are you, for example? And then I've got the receipt there as well. I put, let me just, I think that's receipt. Oh, no, it's the, that's quite useful. I can change the instructions uh, dynamically. That is good. That is very smart. So if you suddenly remember you live on the first floor, you can type that whilst he's on his bike. Yeah, or if something's changing or, yeah, whatever. The ETA is eight minutes, Rafe, eight minutes. Now, in fairness, I should say it's been on eight minutes for a few minutes. <laughs> this okay. is a Windows update, eight minutes, is it? Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, this is cool. I think I, I would suggest to the guys at uh, Get Here that perhaps you might want to be a little bit more, uh, Rafe is rubbing his stomach at the minute, having protested, having protest, spent the whole time that you're protesting about, oh, I don't want, I don't want chocolate, it's coming, Rafe. My feedback, I think there is perhaps, you know, if you're going to have to wait, and that, I, don't, I don't think people will you know, worry about it, but one of the, the key things of the, the fact it's, it's meant to be in 10 minutes, 13 minutes is, you know, tell me that. It's quite frustrating that bit. So yeah. just looking at the clock, so if I recall correctly, we ordered at 25 minutes past and it's now five minutes past the, the following hour. If this delivery person is, let's say, six or seven minutes away now because some time has passed while we've been chatting. Well, it still says ETA eight minutes. but so yeah. ETA eight minutes. So let's assume that they'll be there within that kind of window. It's going to end up being about 50 to 55 minutes since ordering, which is still great for, you know, door-to-door delivery of a, a reasonable selection of groceries. Oh, it's absolutely fantastic, isn't it? If you press reset and think about it. But yeah, this is what we need to get rather clear here. First of all, it works in London or, or, or in metropolitan areas. But I don't think they should be saying ETA, because I, I, I started this conversation by saying, look, in, in 14 minutes. And you chose that service because it said 14 minutes rather yes, than the I other one that said 20. Yes, I didn't choose Zap, by the way, which is 20 minutes, yeah. right? Um, and I wonder if maybe Zap was being a bit more... Anyway, look, it's interesting. I think this is the first iteration that we are experiencing. I think there's more they can do to improve that expectation setting, because I think it is a rather silly thing. Oh, you said 13 minutes. Where is it? You know, yeah. but... Yeah, because that, that is getting rather crazy, you know, to be that demanding. You know. I guess the point is, what need are they addressing, though? Because if you needed some groceries or some food or something, you know, and you knew that it could take about an hour, Rafe might have, you know, kind of gone out, popped to his nearest convenience store and got these things for himself. Yeah. I mean, if Rafe was cooking now and he didn't want to leave and he needed some ingredients and it was just the convenience factor of having that thing he'd forgotten delivered to the front door, mm. then maybe it wouldn't bother. But we're starting to get into the territory of the supermarkets doing the one-hour central London delivery, yeah. Prime Now Prime. doing one- yeah. to two-hour central yeah. London delivery, and that's where the services are going to start to overlap. No. And those services don't have the luxury of these dark stores. They operate from sort of larger warehouses dotted around the place. So anyways, we'll leave the timer going whilst we uh, conclude the episode. And uh, perhaps at the end, 
post roll of the show, we'll add a little thing in to say whether or not the chocolate ever arrived. But uh, poor Rafe is wasting away here. Yeah, it's unfortunate. It's not doing it. Still on ETA eight minutes. And I should say, back on the homepage, under Rafe's address, it says, hey, ETA 14 minutes. So if you'd like to order, it says 14 minutes. Well, that's not accurate, is it? 14 minutes if there is a guy or a girl standing by. That's what it should say. Okay, well, look, it's live and it's science. It's live, it's live. We'll try it out. So, Rafe Blanford, stand by your front door. Yes. Okay, gentlemen. Oh, 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 wait, wait, wait. Literally, stand at your front door. It's just, it's just said, at the address. There you go, Branford. He's at the address. Go on, look out the window. Look out the window. Right, well, I will thank everybody for their support and feedback on the show and remind you that you can support the cost of the production of the show with 361podcast.com slash support if you'd like to help from $1 per episode. Thank you to all our Patreon supporters who do help with those costs. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can find us at 361podcast on Twitter or 361podcast.com where you can submit an email, talk to us privately, or leave a comment underneath the show as you hear it. Thanks to everyone for the kind words for coming back, particularly for everyone who has been in touch, interested in following up with Rafe's offer to continue sending postcards until we run out of postcards for reviews. So if you didn't hear the end of last season, if you leave us a review either on iTunes or Apple Podcasts or any other place where podcasts are listed, and then once you've written your review, good or bad, we don't mind, funny preferably though, send us a link, let us know it's you, we'll get an address from you, and Rafe will send you a lovely postcard, probably concrete themed, probably written in his own handwriting to thank you very much. Probably and written in his he's going to someone else to do well, it. Well, I'm, I'm dubious, you see, he's so keen to do it, I assume he must have outsourced it by now, being the canny chap that he is. But we'll send you a lovely postcard, and that will be nice, and I will try and dig out some stickers for people who do it this next season. The sticker box has gone missing. We need to find... There are some 361 stickers kicking around here somewhere and we'll try and find some stickers for people who write in. But thank you very much, as ever. Please do let us know your questions. We've got some more One Question, Three Answers episodes coming up this season and they are all driven by listener questions and we'd love to know which question you would like us to answer. And having padded as fully and as ably as I was able to, the chocolate has still not arrived, so I will say... Thank you very much, gents. I will say goodnight and we'll update mm. on the chocolate either post-roll or next week. So, good night, chaps. Lots of love. Goodbye. And see you in a fortnight. Bye-bye. I'm kind of hungry now. Quite like some raspberries and some chocolate. I could go look out the other window to see if they're there. So look, he says at the address, right? But then the little icon which one would imagine, you know, these delivery apps, you know, the icon's meant to move. Oh. <gasps> oh. Oh, here we go. There's a buzz. Here we go. Does, is he going to have to go all the way down? I, think? I don't know. This is where Rafe has to look this guy in the eye as he hands over this giant carrier bag of chocolate. <laughs> and some raspberries. Just you there on your own, is it, mate? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Okay. <laughs> Here's 15 quid's worth of uh, confectionery. You have a nice night. Yeah, you too, mate. <laughs> Obviously, the app hasn't said delivered yet, so I think he's having to go all the way down, or the chat, or he's buzzed a guy, but he would have come back in the room. He's not in the room, dear listener, uh, at the minute. While we're padding, whilst Ralph Blanford is off fetching his confectionery, on your receipt, is there actually a separate charge for delivery, or is it all bundled up into the price of the, no, they, the they products? Made that, wait, wait, I think it was, oh, jeez, let's, let's see. Live order, track order. Uh, oh, oh, look. He's here with a special... He's got a a special... It's a branded Gettier purple bag. Wow. 
13 minutes past. 48 minutes, for the record. Okay. Let's have Rafe unpack. Let's just check that all oh, the yeah, products are there. That's very nice. Okay, so... Oh, some... There you go. Harrogate spring water. That's very lovely. Thank non-sparkling, you. Non-sparkling. Yep, non-sparkling. Non-sparkling. Ben, non-sparkling. Right, there is, pay attention. Oh, oh look, it's, it's a, a flake. Lovely. Milky bar <gasps> buttons as well. White buttons. Excellent. This is going to keep you yeah. going for the evening now, Rafe. I'm definitely going to be on a bit of a sugar high this evening. Yeah. It's not mandatory to eat them all straight away. <laughs> and all importantly, the Mars bar. Ah, yeah, the Mobile World Congress Mars bar. Yeah. And look, something healthy. Oh, they look, they're, oh, they're very nice. Very nice what raspberries. Say something fresh. It what says, say? what's fresh raspberries? Okay. Excellent. So that's dinner sorted. I am getting the same feeling, and I'm sure you're getting the same here, Ben, that you get when you see your child eat food. Wait. That's a bit weird. Right, do you know, I'm, when they stop putting it in their ear and they, they do it like with the big boy spoon themselves. No, no. <laughs> what I mean yeah, is, is... Yeah, I'm not sure about that. No, no, sorry. I'll, I shall explain. You know, we want to take care of you here, Blanford. Ah, right? your okay. welfare rather than your hand-eye coordination. Right, it's, it's, it's not ah, your right, hand-eye right, coordination, right? right. right? It's, I, I am feeling warm and fuzzy, uh, having made sure Rafe has got some confectionery there. I feel good. Don't you, Ben? Don't you? Well... I'm feeling cared for and loved, Ewan, so I there we go. very much appreciate it. <sighs> I think the analogy with parenting as well also breaks down with the fact that we've just given Rafe about 15,000 calories yeah. as well. So, you know, it's all chocolate. So we haven't necessarily cared for his well-being particularly because it's an amount of sugar that would give a rhino diabetes, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know. And there is definitely a little bit of guilt around use of the gig economy. I'm, um, no, no, don't worry. There's a fix here. Justifying it from a research point of view. There is a fix. There is a fix here, right? Yeah. Now, you can tip our courier friend. Best of all, you can tip him with Ewan's money. Yeah. <laughs> now, wait a minute. <laughs> I feel like it's probably, I don't know, maybe a hundred pound tip, something like that. What do you think, Ben? Wait, it says... Let's listen to our choices. Hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. It says... 100 pounds, 200 pounds, or 500 pounds. <laughs> yeah, just, 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 just stand back, stand back. You can tip our courier friend. One pound, two pounds, five pounds are the default options, mm-hmm. right? That may be because we only spent 15 quid. It might be right. So I think we should do five. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. There we go. Okay. So five quid. I'm happy to spend five pound of Ewan's money. Absolutely. Right, right. I'm going to say send. And eat all his chocolate. Since all that uh, chocolatey preamble, yeah. I think we are done. So oh, um, wait a minute. Wait, wait, just say some inane, why the long face thing. No, we don't need a joke this week. We can just press stop recording. Really? The whole joke about chocolate. Isn't there at least no. one listener that is waiting for no. Ben to say something? No. What did the biologist wear to impress his date? Here we go. Yep. Go on. Don't know. Designer jeans. That's, uh, that's funny. Yeah. No, that's good. There's another one coming, I can tell. I, you can tell. Him. You can I'm wait, waiting wait. for the next joke. What did one tectonic plate say to another? Okay, yeah, go on. Oh, I've even told the joke wrong. I've read that. I've caught it from you now, bloody McLeod. <laughs> what did one tectonic plate say when he bumped into another? Sorry, my fault. Uh, yeah. uh... <laughs> the only downside is he called me Raffy. <laughs> <laughs>